Welcome to episode 153 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, guys, so welcome along to episode 153 of Iron Man Talk. Oh, saved us. Just before the talk, wasn't it? Yeah. Of course, John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Good. Just on that, uh, <clears throat> somebody, it was Ali who sent in the, the stuff a couple of weeks ago, and she used Iron Man Talk in the, uh, yeah. in the email. Got the email back from Kim McLaren saying she's done her 20 press Great, great, mm. great. I'm doing well, Bevan. How about you? Yeah, I'm doing brilliant, bloody brilliant. Uh, I am talk is proudly brought to you by coffeesofhawaii.com uh, for the world's best coffee, athlinks.com for the world's best athlinks, and trybys.com for the world's best trybys. Nice. Did it there? It's like saying I'm the world's best me because there's only one of me. Well, you're looking pretty stylish. You're number one today. Yeah, I'm number one. You're art not. Of try. No, I'm but just... you're the art of try. We've both got our art of try tops on. Yep, all looking good. So fashion. I got a comment on it yesterday, actually. Hey, that's fashion. I said, hey, that's our role. Anyway, in this week's show, what have we got coming up? We've got some news, and we've got some Ironman racing coming up, which is exciting times. We've got a Hot Topic of the Week. We've got uh, Website of the Week, Age Group of the Week. But the big thing, and John scored a coup on this one. Tell us all about it, John Boo. So we're going to have David Howman on the show. We mentioned this last week. Who's David Howman, John? He is the, I think it's the Secretary General, or he's he's basically, I'm pretty sure he's the highest guy in WADA. How do you manage that? Well, Elsa McPherson, um, a lovely Australian girl that I coach, she yep. uh, met him at some, she works in the sort of government in Australia, somehow met him, <laughs> and uh, just said that he'd probably be keen, and he's a Kiwi, so uh, just emailed him. This is a bit of a coup. Good. So yeah, yeah like, this, looking good. Yeah, I'm loving this one. Let's hope he picks up. I'll try to, I'll try to be professional, <laughs> I'll try my best. <laughs> yeah. He's a lawyer as well, so yeah. well, we'll see. But it's going to be interesting, got a few interesting questions. We in. haven't actually interviewed him yet, we're going to kind of interview him in about 20 minutes, so mm. uh, we'll be interested to see how it goes, so mm. it's pretty exciting stuff. And mm. then we've got some questions and answers. The news is brought to you by... Xtry.com, so check it out for the latest news and stuff. You see us up there every week. Oh, and that's even the reason. You get new photos on there every week, don't you? I, I do. I've got another one for this week. Oh, uh, good. We need to get some more photos, don't yeah, we? we do. We have to bring your camera around. Okay. We're going to do it through there. Anywho, Iron Man Australia. We've got a couple of Iron Man races coming up this weekend, but first one is Iron Man Australia. Yeah, so you Aussies are going to be uh, slapping your shrimps on the barbies come Sunday afternoon. But uh, last year, it was in the female side of things, it was a completely dominating race by Chrissy Wellington. And we'll have a look at the, the results from last year in a moment. This year, um, <clears throat> the guys feel interesting. Probably once to note there is going to be see how Tim DeBoom comes. It's sort of a comeback yeah. race for him. So yeah. that, that could be really interesting. Maybe the rest did him some good. Yeah. Although he did pretty well in Hawaii last time, didn't he? He did. So here we want to watch. I think Patrick Vernet is clearly the favourite. He loves racing in Australia. He's won Western Australia. He's won Australia a few times. Yeah, one rope. Yeah, seems to perform well over there. So I think he'll be the the one to to really beat. 35? Yeah, but most of the Ironman guys are that age now. You look at Macca, Crowey, Cam Brown. uh, They're all about that age, and and they seem to be in, in their prime then. So... We've got number one seed, Patrick Vernay, Mitch Anderson's number two seed. He'll he'll really push the pace on the bike and just have to see how he hangs in the run. And Matthias Hector's the third seed. Tim Burkle, who won Ironman Western Australia. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can back that up. And then Tim DeBoom, Jason Shaw. was only 24. Yeah, he was a young fella. And that's yeah. why he, when he was running along with uh, 
Jason Shortus, he was like, Shortus is his idol. And he's yeah. like, I'm, I'm running along with this guy. And then he, he beat was him. loving it. Wow. Uh, <clears throat> I think the ones that could um, be sort of the dark horses, well, you've got Pete Jacobs in there. He should be um, right up there. Yeah, well, you know, I reckon Pete could win a race real soon now. Yeah. You know, he's not far from it, is he? He just needs to pull it together on the day. But yeah. what was interesting is um, some of those guys, I'm not sure if Pete raced in Singapore 70.3 or not. I think uh, he did, yep. Yeah, his name's down there. It's a bit interesting racing. Um, that close to this. That close. So, once to the, the Dark Horse ITU guys, we know we love our ITU guys on the show. Yeah. Um, Simon Thompson, uh, former very, very good Australian Olympian, he could be one to watch. And then Mark Twisick, I'm pretty sure he's an ex ITU guy as well. So look out for those two dudes. There's one name we've missed, John. The Tobinator. The Tobinator. Yeah, Toby Radcliffe's racing. He'll be the one to watch. Watch out. Watch out the rest of you. Tobinator's going to dominate you. And the girls' race yeah. could be very interesting. Well, no, I don't think it will be that interesting. but because <laughs> Chrissy's going to kill Chrissy's it. Chrissy's going to kill it. But for the first time ever, um, Michaeli Jones is racing uh, in Australia. Um, not the first time ever, but first time racing Ironman Australia. Now, is Michaeli Jones a little bit past it? Well, I think she possibly is I mean com- when you can compare it to Chrissy Wellington I'd say yes but yep. when you compare it against a lot of the other girls um, I'd say no so I'd expect her to finish second yep. uh, and you've also got Rebecca Keat there Kate Balaqua but I know there was a big hoo-ha about Michaeli Jones I don't think she's raced in Australia since she didn't get selected for the Olympics oh, she's, she is, she's actually Australian isn't she oh yeah she was super dark about that um, yep. she li- doesn't live in Australia any longer uh, so yeah, so it's the first race, I think, on home soil for a very, very long time. Although she's racing <coughs> under the United States, so... Interesting, but so is Chrissy Wellington. I think mm. that's just their, their abode. It's quite cool on the, the start list here. They've got the number of Ironman times they've raced Ironman Australia, so you've got, like, yeah. Vernay's oh, done okay. it five times, yeah. which Hanson's done it six. Jason Shorts has done it 13 times. Oh, um, Mike Adair's done it 11. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and he's a Kiwi. Nice. Is he? Well, there you go. Well, so good luck to you Aussies. Good luck to you Aussies from... Uh, Going for the race, and we'll just have a quick snapshot at last year's results. Last year's results, and good old Patrick Verne dominated Dojo by nine minutes over Mitch Anderson. So it's quite a slow, uh, reasonably slow course, only eight, eight hours 31 for the course for the win, and nine minutes back, Mitch Anderson and Thias Hecht was 8.42. What's happened to Luke Bell? Luke, Luke Bell got six last year. Bell, I saw in a result this morning, uh, there was a half Ironman somewhere, in, somewhere, I'm not sure that Chris McDonald won, and Luke Bell was... Third or fourth, and he was like a country mile behind Chris. What it was like 15 minutes. Luke Bell? Who knows? We'll find out. Well, maybe we should. Can someone tell us? Because, you know, like two years ago, we're talking him up like he's the next big thing. Mm. And he was. He, well, he, went, he went undefeated that year, didn't he? Yeah, in 70.3s. 70.3s, and, you know, and had a great Hawaii. I think got like fifth or sixth. Yeah. And, you know, and. and he never won an Ironman, though. No, but, you know, you know, and then Cam, race against head. Cam, he yeah. was pretty amazing, and he just kind of hasn't done much since. So ninth, maybe he's been injured. In ninth place last year at Ironman Australia was Chrissy Wellington. Wow. <laughs> uh, so she just dominated 9.03. Apparently she was just strolling around the course, could have pretty easily gone under. Um, nine, it's only 30, 30, about 30 minutes behind first guy, and that's that's moving it. Uh, well, so did Kate Major. She did pretty well as well. She Kate got Major. 11th. 9, so. 9.09. Uh, I wonder if I was the glove man, I mean, the what is it, the big man, Pete Verbusek. I wonder if he was pretty disappointed when two chicks beat him. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't have been particularly pleased. He wasn't in his happy place at that moment. Ironman Australia. What, what's the title sponsor for Ironman Australia? Uh, Supercraft. Or Contact Energy, presented by Supercraft. What's country called? Energy, sorry. Where did you say Country Energy? Oh, up yeah. top. I'm <laughs> blind as a bat. Can't, can't be very good. Can't be very good logo if Bevan can't no, see that's it. That's right. You know, Merges in, you see. I'll jump out at you. I know, I like that. Okay, and then we're going to go to Ironman South Africa. How's it? 
How's it? That's what they say. How's it? How's it? I've got a friend who's a South African and uh, he always goes, How's it? And then I was teaching a class every day, two South African guys, and I was talking to each other and goes, One goes, How's it? And I cracked up. <laughs> but anyway, this uh, defending champions are the Baylisses. Oh. And if we look at the girls first, I'm pretty confident Bella should just dominate that field. I can't see anybody who's going to cause you too much uh, issues there. She's the number one female seed, Lu- Lucy. Well, there really is no names, at least, are there? No, the Lucy Zinkova, she was, I think, leading maybe last year. She's, she's not bad, but, you know, Bella, she's a proven performer, top ten girl. So what are these now. situations when you have someone like Bella who's, you know, what, how many she won in 7 or 8 Ironman, you know, season pro, uh, knows how to win a race. I wonder how she handles the pressure of being too much the favourite. You know what I mean? Like when you go into these races, you look at the field and you think, well, if she doesn't win, it's something major. I wonder if that's a nice place to be or if it's like puts more pressure on you. I think early on it certainly does, but I think she's got enough experience now to be able to handle it and she'll just go out there and do her own thing and and probably feed off a lot of the guys and try to race off them. Uh, So I think she'll be going, I would imagine she'll go through a bit of a decision-making process out on the course there's bonus money for race records and you either go for the race record and try to go for that bonuses or you just race for place yep. and uh, and just get through the day, get your first place prize money and um, pack up and move on to the other one, which should be the sensible thing to do. And on the guys' side of things, we've got Stephen Bayless, obviously his favourite. Who else have we got there? Well, he won last year in course record time. He had a fantastic race. Yeah, yeah, it was a breakthrough race, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really was. Um, but I think he's already going to be pushed pretty hard by Marino Van Honecker. He had a, he had a disappointing Kona last year, really consistent over the last few years, but, but failed a bit in Kona. Uh, and Gerrit Schneelands, um, the Belgian dude, he's always really consistent. Reynard Tissink on his day, he's one of the best guys in the world. Yep. Um, but in his home location? Yeah, but he's, he's just up and, down. up and down. But the last few years, he's really just fallen off the, the wagon a little bit. And I think it'll be between those four, really. You've got a few other guys that'll be in the mix, but I think those four will be the ones to watch. Okay. And last year, we're doing the last year thing, aren't we, John? We What's the new the thing we're doing? Year. So Stephen Bayless last year, 8.18, um, really ripped it by five minutes, just did a 2.51 and just killed everybody on the run. Uh, nobody else went under three hours. Reynard Tissick was, uh, was in second place. And then uh, Peter, you do the surname, Bevan. Oh, Skoskanisjizinga. Yeah, close. It was, close. <laughs> it was in uh, third, and then on the girl side of things, <coughs> the girl side of things. Oh, we didn't really figure that out, did we? Just go female. Oh, female pro. There we go. You, you keep talking, John. Fem- uh, it was Bella Bayless in first place. Oh, she dominated the dojo. Well, she was Bella Cummins oh, back no, then. She didn't dominate the dojo. She only beat it by five seconds. But, okay, I don't recall that. that no, must neither, been, uh, I don't remember that. I think it's a lie. No, no, I, I think uh, I don't know. Well, maybe it's not a lie. Maybe it's not a lie. Iron Man, I mean, I mean, WTC don't lie. No, never. No. no, not about results. So, uh, <laughs> five seconds difference. That must have been a fantastic race. I can't remember talking about it. No. Well, that was a year ago, John. It was a year ago. Well, and what uh, happened last year? Lucy Zen, uh, Zen Lakova was in third. I've fallen in about, love. Oh, You're having another kid. You know? Man. <laughs> We're in the drop zone. <laughs> We're in the drop zone. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Any minute now. Yeah. So, I told Belinda before the show. You going to labour, you just pop round, we'll, 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 we'll stop the show for you. We'll rub the stomach while we talk. <laughs> yeah, hear the groans. Ah! In the corner. So good luck to your Saffirs and your Aussies. Beautiful. What else is happening in the news, John? But we've got California 70.3. Oh, now, we want to know if anyone actually got disqualified for well, taking no, family down the chute. It's coming up this weekend. Uh, oh, okay. So if it, we really want to hear if it, people do get disqualified for taking family down the chute. could be really interesting. Uh, I do, I mean, a couple of people sent an email saying a few... Um, ITU fellas are going to be racing in the 70.3, so that'll Great. be interesting. One of the English guys, uh, was it somebody sent it in? Was it Will Clark? Or one of the English guys is racing there anyway, so it uh, really kicks off the American season. Great. Always pretty fresh. 
uh, Vine Man are offering to buy two and get one through or free. So if you've got, you've got a couple of mates you want to do it with, you can all go thirds. And it, It's the same as, the, I think they might have had this last year as well. It's for the full distance Vine Man, not, not the half Vine Man or teams or anything like that. If you, uh, yeah, if there's three of you want to go and do this race, one of the um, really well-known races in the States and got a lot of history behind it. Um, we cool often course. get emails from people saying how well it's organised and you know what a great race it is. So mm. it's like, yeah. And uh, so if you if you're sick of doing you know big WTC races, I think this has got a really good feel to it. Go to vineman.com. Uh, yeah, three of you entering, you'll get it for the price of two. The Vineman's a funny one because they're associated with the seventy point three, but not the full. Yeah, yeah that's funny, isn't it? Yeah, it is interesting. Mm. It'll be interesting to see what sort of. Uh, and obviously struggles to well maybe it doesn't struggle, but you know they're not following it obviously because they've got to pull out deals like this. You kind of wonder if the 70.3 doesn't pull people over. Yeah. Well, I guess there's, there's more and more Ironmans now in North America. You know, they just announced one last week. So Utah. they're still filling up, though. So, but, there, but there are quite a few long-distance races over there, you know, the, the, the iron distance. So yeah. watch the space. Watch the space. So, uh, Jombo, you've got a striding-on clinic happening. Tell us about it. The date has been set, 12th of July. Anybody in New Zealand or, or probably most likely anybody in Christchurch. If you're in Africa, come over. Yeah, <laughs> pop over. Just pop, pop us an email. Um, you can either come through my website or just email Bev and he'll forward it on. But 12th of July, we're getting Ali down here to do a striding-on clinic in Christchurch. Limited numbers, first in, first served. And, and Ali's great, honestly. Um, if, you want, if you want to improve your running technique... Because uh, running is one of those things that you don't really think about improving. You just run, don't you? Well, it was interesting. I was actually at a course uh, yesterday, a lecture about um, skill acquisition and sort oh. of going on, and, and it really showed how a lot of the, the amount of time athletes spend on, on, on skills, skills yeah. and stuff. And, uh, and, and this was in soccer. They, they spend a lot, obviously. But in triathlon, I mean, I really think a lot of people don't spend just much train, time don't on they? skills. Yeah. And, uh, and this time of the year for the Kiwis, you know, the, everybody's coming off the end of their season, um, whether it's been Ironman or Nationals or whatever. Now is the time you really want to do it, and then you can spend the whole winter sort of working on it it's not something you really want to do in the middle of your season or in the middle of a build up so sign on up what's interesting with me because I've, I've done it twice now and uh, it's definitely improved my running big time eh? oh yeah, yeah. And we're not just talking it up I mean no uh, no seriously it changed my running and like I was I had not bad running technique but I just get much more stride length and you know and I just feel faster and well it gives you the awareness of how you're supposed to run yeah and, exactly and that's, and that's something we're going to cover a little bit later on but a lot of people don't they just run naturally yeah and, um, which sometimes that's good sometimes it's not so good so it gives you you know a bit of a visual on, on what you should be doing and, mm. and what you should be working towards which helps a lot mm, it's all good Okay, uh, hot topic of the week. Well, you keep talking, John. Well, I, what was the hot topic from last week? The hot topic from last mental week tips, was wasn't it? Mental tips for getting this. Oh, see now we, we've changed location. I had my things written down. Oh no! We were going to record the show around at my place this morning because Bevan uh, again downloaded too much porn last week. I did not. <laughs> and I had to change uh, internet providers. I'm not happy. <laughs> and and uh, so we were going to record it, and I wrote down my little notes, so I'll have to try to remember them. But it was uh, mental tips to sort of get you through training and, and racing when you're sort of in a bit of a bit of a down period. Okay, we've got many comments on not, it. Not many comments this week. You guys obviously aren't that mentally strong. <laughs> <laughs> Joke. Ha. Ha. Oh, yeah, here we go. Do you want to go first? I'll do first. I'll do first and second one. Oh, no. Because <laughs> I'm not going to do third one. Uh, <laughs> Gary Fiennes. So, first one, Michael Kelly. I find that hurling insults at myself always seems to provide that extra bit of motivation when necessary. Also works great when forcing oneself out the door to begin a difficult training session. Also look at uh, an attractive girl, never hurts. <laughs> Can you say pace booty? <laughs> pace booty. Richard Marlowe. HTFU. What does that mean, John? 
Don't know, Evan. Oh, really? No. I'm sure it just means work really hard. Yes. Yes. Do your best. That's try, what it means. Try hard. Gary Fagan, he's got quite a few here. He's got swimming. Uh, squad training is best cure for overcoming swimming demons. It's too easy to get bored and go home on your own. I totally agree with that. Write a set. Uh, we talked about it a few weeks ago. Uh, tell someone that you're going out before you go. Tell a mate that you're going to blast out five, six hundred on ten minutes. And you'll be too ashamed not to. Bike, the best motivation is to get one or two training partners, uh, which is really true. Uh, single loops. Yeah, so don't, don't, uh... Yeah, multi-laps. Because I used to have this two-hour lap past past my house. Yeah. And like, if you're in a six-hour ride, on a second lap, you're always stopping for yeah. a drink. And yeah. next thing, you know, you don't do the last lap. Dangerous game. Hills. Uh, hills are tough, but uh, break up the ride. I, li- I like the hills as well. I think mentally, unless you have a really kind of tragic day, it does kind yeah. of pull you along, doesn't it? Uh, wind. Try to go into the headwind while you're fresh and uh, get it to blow you home. Uh, run. Loop again. I don't mind so much loops on runs, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, squad running, uh, something I haven't done a lot of. You do a bit of squad running, yeah. That's great. Yep. Um, especially when you do your hard stuff, uh, point to point, get someone to drop you off sixteen miles away in car. That's it's probably a good one. No, isn't I think it? it's good. I do quite a bit of point to point running now. Sort of, yeah. If Blunder is somewhere, I'll, I'll run there and yep. meet her there. Because the only way to get there is to run, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, prep, uh, race prep, do the training, and you'll be confident throughout the race. It's true. True focus. Forget what's happened. It's coming up and focusing on what you can control in the moment. Uh, Visualise. Think about the finish, the t-shirt, blah, blah, blah. Bring them rights and support. Get the right people around you. That right. was a pretty good answer from Gary Fagan. Yeah. And I know I know you've got this this thing, this anger at the moment, John, but you have to admit when there's quality, there's quality. There is quality and it's quantity there as well. Yes. Good quality work, Gary. Love you, Gary. It's a good combo. And a manly kind of way. <laughs> uh, Mark Kentz, uh, listening to music, possibly the easiest performance enhancing things you can do. Thing you can do. Oh, and if. Harden up. Well, isn't it? I mean, just do your best. Do your best. Try hard. A for effort. Uh, Mark, yes, that's from Miskin. Uh, in training, completely changing the goal of the season plan can have a dramatic impact on my performance. Go uh, more so in swimming than anywhere else. Unless you can quickly switch routes and bring in some hill action or some seriously quick flat sessions if needed, have some favourite swim sets that are easy to get into and you have time to do. Uh, you need to get your first Ironman race. So I'm looking forward to the race tips. Oh, he's doing his Ironman first race. And he's oh, yeah, I'll need to get tips. onto that. Yep. Yep. Uh, I'll do Michael <laughs> Kelly. You only need one tip, and that is to try hard. <laughs> you can do the last one. But we should say the letters. H-T-F-U. Very good. And last one's Andrew Brindstrun. Uh I find self-talk really works. If my power is dropping, I, I say a little comment like I am strong and powerful. And like magic, my power goes up. John, let me know what you think. Um, right so I might write my little list so things that work for me in training is uh, having a little bit of purpose for each session that doesn't mean mean you need to go out there and hammer yourself into the ground you know a lot of the time for me at the moment the purpose of going out for a session is simply to freshen up and just often I'm just going out for half an hour at the moment and just to get some fresh air and and not be sitting down at my my desk so I use that as a bit of a motivator uh, whenever I go for a swim session, and if I'm ever doing a wind trainer session, uh, I'll always have a, a written plan for that workout. Yeah, totally, especially wind trainer. So it breaks it up, and um, and and it can crack into that. Uh, you always need to have goals, and I, I think um, having a, a race as a goal is usually the good thing, and, and it needs to be within say three or four months' time. Um, otherwise, it sort of gets a little bit too far away. And having that in a prominent place can sort of remind you and, and give you a bit of a guilt trip that you do need to get out there. Yeah. Uh, what else did I have written down? 
those were the main ones. When it, when it actually comes to racing and I'm trying to motivate myself, uh, it's often competitive instinct that sort of keeps me going. So if I'm on the swim, once I've settled into a pair of uh, feet, then I'm going to stay for try to stay for the duration of the swim. I'll just do everything I can to stay, stay on, on those feet. feet. So yeah. that's my focus is staying on the feet, even if we're going off course. And so that's it's a big focus. Sighting a bit um, keeps it keeps you know just keep on course, but really the focus is, is that. The bike um, at this stage, uh, yeah, it's a bit more of a technique focus for me um, as well. So making sure I do full circles, um, making sure I keep a fairly straight back when I'm climbing. So a lot of technique things, and also that competitive instinct of making sure I stay with people. The run, I really break down into to just small sections. So if it's a 10k run, if it's two laps, all I'm thinking about when I come off the bike is just getting to that first two and a half k turn. Um, and pretty consistently, I'm thinking about technique all the way through the run. So I'd say as a 10k run, I'm probably thinking about my technique for eight to nine k's of that run. Um, different aspects of it. As soon as I feel something slip, if I feel I'm not pushing off hard enough or towing off hard enough. I'll focus on that for a couple of minutes. If I feel my hips going down, I'll focus on trying to lift those up a bit. Um, and there's also the competitive instincts as well of, of trying to catch people and, and beat people onto the ground. Nice. I do actually want to talk about other podcasts here for fitness because we, we kind of do it based on three weeks. We do one week where it's kind of an exercise work, um, workout kind of thing and then we do a week where it's kind of education and we'll talk about nutrition and stuff like that. And then on the third week we always do kind of mind tricks and if, if you want to find some really cool mind stuff, um, Ish and I have actually covered some really cool things like there like um, for example, uh, how to change your focus when you're in a downtime. Um, Just had an idea, Bevan. Well, tell me. <laughs> tell me. When the baby drops... Um, if I can't do a podcast, you can maybe copy, okay. copy one of those motivational I will, cause, ones. You know, because we, we really do. There are some really good stuff in there. We talk about how to improve your mental toughness, um, the ways to improve your mental toughness, and a lot of that's just setting targets that are just a little bit above where you are right now. And like, so we talk it for general population. So we might say like, if you're having twenty cups of coffee a week, you know, or twenty cups of coffee a day, which is a little bit unhealthy. <laughs> just a little, yeah. But if you're going to get it, you yeah, get coffee. That's right. You know, like you just you try to have 18, and it's, and then we just there's lots of tricks within the show that you know I'm not really going to cover them now. But honestly, to listen to our third one when we do the mental stuff, we do cover some really good stuff on there, mental tricks and stuff like that. And like the how question is one we use a lot, and that's like when you're in a situation when you're in a race and it's just going to crap, we tend to focus on why it's going to crap. And the how question is more like, okay, well, how can I finish this race off well? And although that sounds really simple, it changes your thinking towards the thing you want. And we just cover lots of those kind of things. So maybe we will, when, when the baby's dropped, yeah, uh, which can be any minute now. Could be. So the rest of the show could actually be for fitness. Yep. <laughs> although hopefully not, because we've got... <laughs> yep. Uh, I was just looking at time. We, we want to be on time for our interview. Yep. Uh... So yeah, so honestly, chuck, chuck on some of those ones and, and listen out to them because there's some really good mental tricks. And we get lots of emails from our Forever Fitness listeners just saying that they love that stuff. So um, check it Forever out. Foreverfitness.com, is it? Uh, dot me. Dot me. Foreverfitness.me. Not you? you? No. <laughs> uh, right, yeah, this week's one was sent in from Stephen Lord, who was uh, Madman Lord. Madman Lord. From uh, Epic Camp. Who, was, who got injured, didn't he? He seriously injured his foot. Um, it wasn't really an injury. It was more of a tear um, oh. just before I made New Zealand. So it was quite quite serious. You got it, eh? Yeah, he spent a lot of time training, a lot of money invested, a lot of time investment. Yeah. One of the debates that went on the camp, I think um, some of the support crew, you know, they, they were seeing some of these guys that were age groupers that were um, on the camp and they were pretty much, effectively were training full time and they kind of, it's not fair, but life's not fair. 
Life's not fair, John. But um, they're going to have to compete against these guys. Uh, yeah, they were, they were, they were, they were, they were, the supporters were getting a little bit angry about it, weren't they? They were, yeah. Yeah, they, they were kind of thinking, well, because I, th- I think some of the supporters ultimately want to go to Kona. Mm. And they were kind of like, well, it's, you know, there's no way I'm even going to get to Kona if I'm racing against someone like Stephen Lord who can spend his whole life training. Mm. And, uh, and, and it's an interesting argument, isn't it? So Stephen's come up with a bit of a suggestion here, and we'll be keen to hear your thoughts on it. We've kind of maybe covered this a little bit in the past. We have, but I think this, this, this a couple of years ago. This gives a, a slightly different angle and different idea, which I think is um, worth discussing. Okay. So this um, possible discussion topic, this caused some, caused some heated discussion uh, one evening on Epic. Should an elite age group category be introduced um, for slots for elite age groupers and normal age groupers? This was raised because it was felt normal full-time working Ironmen have no chance competing against full-time age group athletes. Um, okay, so this is what was uh, Stephen suggesting. Okay, here we go. When, when you get to Kona, we have to figure out a way of qualifying for Kona, but Kona's raced over two days. Day one, an elite age group race, um, and they go off in waves by age group, uh, and so you can keep it Uh-oh. a little bit smaller, um, and you're racing head-to-head with your age groupers, so it's a proper, fair race, and you get the proper age group champion. And you have the pros that day as well. No, and then day mm. two, um, the pros go off first, and then uh, non-elite age groupers go second. Um, so say, say for example, at Ironman New Zealand, you've got 20 slots, and maybe the first, or maybe say 15 slots in an age group, say five or six go the first five or six they Is qualify the for the elite age group yep. the next 10 qualify for the uh normal age, normal age group so it increases the number of slots um and uh and you get to do the Kona experience and, and allow more people to do it so maybe it'd be really interesting to get some comments from elite age groupers whether you think that's a good idea and also the guys that are maybe fringe qualifying and not that far off yeah would this piss you off if this happened and you would, would you feel like you were getting gypped on the real deal well we could probably talk about it next week mm. yeah we'll talk because I have lots of thoughts on this one so but this is next week's discussion isn't it John that's right so go to uh, imtalk.com and uh, imtalk.me actually not me. and not you not me <laughs> yeah, me me. Uh, me you um, and I hope you've got the website up this week let's hope so well it was internet issues I tell you <laughs> and, and I'm going to have that photo up too with the blanket too. So nice. here we go. Let's get this interview done. Right now, uh, that's our news and discussion brought to you by xtry.com. Check out their news and we'll be with you in a second. Website of the week. Well, Beautiful. I did a bit of uh, video watching earlier this week. On... Oh, you were the one giving me a bad porn. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a little bit. Um, I, was, I somehow got sent through a link for beginner triathlete and uh, and went on to there. Which is a good website, isn't it? It is. It's a great website. In fact, it's website of the week. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think it may have been before, but wait, we're going to have a, a, a specific link. It basically takes you through to a page, um, and they've got a video clip there on how to effectively clean your chain. There's a whole, there's actually a whole series of videos on different topics up there. Yeah, they are really good. If you're, if you're kind of like totally new to the sport... And you want, you know, the well, simple... St- I wouldn't say you need to be totally new to the sport for, like, cleaning chain. I think both of us are a little guilty <laughs> on this. And I think there'd be a lot of other people... I've had to, I normally have to replace the chain, like, every 10 months because yeah. I never do anything so, with it. I, um, I think it's, uh, as we said, it's got lots of fantastic stuff for newbies, but it's also got a lot of stuff for experienced athletes who maybe have sort of skipped a few steps yeah. along the way. And, nice way of putting it. Uh, yeah, and nice. uh, it, it's, it's just a nice, thorough way to go through and clean your chain. If you can look after your chain, it looks after all the rest of your components around your bike. It's all going to last a lot, lot longer and uh, won't need as much replacing. So if 
you go to begin it, uh, we'll put the link up on the website that Bevan will hopefully get updated this uh, Yeah, now this one thing is, last week I had lots of internet problems and I wasn't able to update the website, so last week's show notes didn't get up, and it was a pity because they were the best ever. Oh, they were the best Oh, they were amazing. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were. <laughs> but, so I'm going to put the uh, the links from last week's show on this week's website, and also the photo of Romeo and Juliet cuddling okay. up in their blankie. Nice. But I've also got another photo which I'm going to show you at the end of the show, which yeah, I may yeah, put up there as well. Okay, so... We're going to triathlete.com. There's some great uh, information up there. And uh, it's this week. It's of the week. Beautiful. Here's some more music, John. We haven't got an intro for this one. We haven't. It's an no. uh, interview with David Hammond. Special thanks. Just done it, actually. So we're actually finished up with it. But. It's good stuff. Um, special thanks to Elsa McPherson for yeah. providing us with a link. If you have got people that you think are worthwhile interviewing, um, people in high positions. Or yeah, something. and if someone's actually looking us up with uh, Luke Van Laird. Luke Van Laird sometime yeah. soon. So, so if, you, if you do know people that are, um, are good talkers, um, please let us know. So thanks to Elsa. And content that, that can help, you know, that we want to hear. Mm. You know, this guy's great, isn't he? So David's just going to go and talk a bit about water and, uh, yeah, it's interesting stuff. Most athletes like us are fairly fascinated with the whole doping side of things mm. and how it all works. And uh, hopefully, this gives you a bit of insight on how it does work. Great. Here we go. Here's David. Okay, on today's show, we're absolutely wrapped to have David Howman, the Director General of, of WADA, the World Anti Doping Agency. So, uh, welcome along to the show, David. Thank you, John. It's nice to be here. Um, how does, uh, just tell me if I'm right or not, have you basically taken over the position of Dick Pound? Was he the guy who was the former uh, Director General, or was it a different guy? No, Dick Pound was the first president of WADA. He, he's, he was the volunteer boss, if you like, of the, the uh, Board of Governors, and his position uh, has been taken over from uh, the beginning of 2008 by John Fay who was a former finance minister in Australia and a former premier of New South Wales. Uh, the reason for that was that Dick represented the IOC, or the sports movement, and we have a sort of a rotation um, idea going so that the next president was to come from the government side, and John has taken over his role accordingly. And how does a Kiwi like you end up at, uh, as a very high up man in, in WADA? It's a bit of a convoluted story, really, John, but I, I was originally on the board of WADA, having been asked by the then Minister of Sport, Trevor Mallard, to serve on the board when WADA was first set up and at the end of 1999. And when we moved our headquarters from Lausanne in Switzerland to Montreal in Canada, uh, they struck a few uh, problems within the management system in the office. And Dick Pound asked me if I'd come over for a couple of years to try to help sort it out. So I left New Zealand really under the impression that I'd be here for one or two years, and it's gone a little bit, little bit longer. How long is it now? We're into our seventh year here. He <laughs> <laughs> oh must be enjoying it. Hey, so what's the objective of WADA? Sorry, what's the objective? You know, what, you know, what's well, the. Yeah. The mandate, the mandate we have is to bring uh, the anti-doping rules under one umbrella so that there's sort of one size fit all. And we were entrusted with the task of writing the set of rules, which we did and completed in 2003 called the World Anti-Doping Code, uh, and all the necessary regulations which go underneath it uh, to make sure that every sport in every country of the world operates under that same set of rules and uh, therefore athletes can... Uh, be at last aware that there's consistency because before we existed you might find that you were an athlete in cycling and be banned 
uh, from competing in Denmark, but able to compete in France. Uh, and so it was a bit of a Mickey Mouse sort of situation that we had to come in and sort of tidy up. Obviously, in, with regards to triathlon, um, it, it is a little bit different because uh, what sort of wider relationship? You've obviously got a few different parties here. You've got um, ITU, which I think the relationship I'd imagine is pretty strong because they're under the Olympic movement. You've got WTC, which is the, the World Triathlon Corporation that run the Ironmans and very much uh, is a business. And then you've also got pri- private race directors who just randomly put on, on races. I mean, um, what sort of relationship do you have with those three parties? Well, our primary connection is, is, as you say, with the ITU, and, and we do have a healthy relationship with them and help them uh, ensure that they run anti-doping programs for the events that are under their jurisdiction. I think they find it a little difficult, just like some other sports, where there are competing interests and uh, more so where there are private uh, entrepreneurs who own races or run events. And what we rely on very heavily then is uh, are the governments or those in the countries where these events are being held to ensure that, uh, again, they're held underneath the, uh, the World Anti-Doping Code and that there is a proper anti-doping program. So far, we've been pretty successful, or you might say pretty lucky, but uh, at least uh, many of the uh, event owners that you just mentioned are actually conducting anti-doping programs and are trying to ensure that, therefore, their events are, are clean. One of the things um, we know that is is very um, prohibitive for some of the, the private directors who are, you know, they're trying to make a buck out of this is the, the cost of testing. I mean, for, for most of our listeners are going to be, be amateur racers. What's, what is the sort of cost roughly for performing a fairly basic level of testing per athlete? Well, the test, yeah, as you say, it's pretty expensive. Uh, it depends what currency you start talking in, and it depends on which country you're collecting the sample and, and to where you have to send it, because the cost of the transport of the sample to an accredited laboratory can be uh, can be quite high. Uh, you're talking probably in New Zealand dollars anything between $500 and $1,000 yeah. per test. Oh, really? And, it, you know, and that can be prohibitive, as you say. And what we are trying to encourage people to do uh, in events where probably there are more amateurs than, than uh, those who are elite athletes is to look more at running education programs rather than and collecting samples. Uh, and in doing that, you're probably putting in uh, place some better values and, and some better preventive-type medicine than you are by wasting a lot of money on collecting two or three samples. Mm. I, th- I think you must be a bit of a broadcasting professional there, David, because <laughs> you've let on quite nicely to my, my next question. And, and you know, obviously we know there's, there's professional athletes out there cheating and, and, and um, it's just it's, it's, it's happening and, and you guys are catching some of them, which is fantastic. But we get a lot of um, emails in and, uh, and questions about um, drug taking at, a, at an amateur level, at the age group level, because especially in, in the Ironman racing, it's just so competitive when they go to Hawaii. A lot of the guys, you know, they come from successful backgrounds and winning just means absolutely yeah, everything. And they can afford it. They can afford to get things. I mean, does WADA extend to, to amateur racing and, and age group racing, for example, in triathlon? Well, we, uh, I mean, as an organisation, we don't differentiate between... Uh, professional and amateur, we we just deal with sport and make sure that uh, what we've got in our code and our rules uh, are looked at by all sports, no matter what events. Yep. What we have to be is a little bit realistic as to how far a sport can extend an anti-doping program, and therefore uh, you do have to uh, operate with some pragmatism. And some of the rules that we have really uh, are there to ensure the elite athletes uh, don't get away with anything. When you start talking about age group athletes and, and masters athletes, 
that is more discretionary and that is something that we really rely more, as I said before, on educational programs which can, can be more effective. That doesn't stop uh, event owners or runners from running one or two tests and, and running a, a sort of a random program just to make sure that you're not going to lose, uh, lose credibility and also to catch those who do take the, uh, take the risk of cheating. Uh, it's it's not something you're going to overcome overnight. So therefore, you've got to be um, you've got to approach these things with some sensibility. I think in um, in Rote and Challenger, I think they might do some random age group testing. Yeah. Um, a couple of things that they have got, had a lot of coverage in the in the, in the media and the press over you know, recent months and in the last couple of years is one is your um, the sort of the especially in cycling the sort of push for the the the, pa- the passport you know um, which is going to monitor your your levels of, of your blood levels and various other things, and um, I mean, how, how is that progressing for you? Well, it it's, still in the, it's still in the progress stage, and I think that word's probably one that I hope doesn't may, is, main, is not maintained in my vocabulary for too much longer. We've we've had this pilot project really running now for a little over a year. Uh, the the reason for any delay in trying to spread it to other sports is simply that we must make sure that it's going to withstand scientific scrutiny and probably more importantly legal scrutiny because somebody's going to be sanctioned sooner or later on the basis of the information we get from the passport and you don't want it to come come a sudden collapse in in a court. Mm -hmm. So uh, at the present we are, and I've got in front of me a a draft of a booklet that's going to be made available to everyone to say, look, here are the protocols to follow and here are the processes to follow. Uh, Put it into your sport or into your country and and you should have a successful program. Um, And and I I guess... Sorry, you go ahead. Probably a few weeks away. Oh, I guess one of the other areas where you, you are copping a bit of flack at the moment um, is to do with the, um, the the whereabouts of athletes and, and having to say exactly where they are for for every day or every hour of, of you know for the next three months. I mean, um, logistically, it does seem like quite a challenge. You know, say for example, if if I was going off to race and I was going to do two or three races in Asia en route to to Europe, it's quite hard to sort of say exactly where you are. How stringent is it? I mean, we, we just get the, the, the bad news from the media, but what sort of... Do, do you think it's a realistic plan for, for most professional athletes that are on the move a lot? Well, well, two things. First, we're used to getting flack, and that's, <laughs> that's, no, that's no change. I mean, the, the, and the second thing is there's a lot of flack that does occur through either misinformation or yeah. emotional overreaction. And I think what I need to do is, is start from the word go and say, look, the reason that that we have a system like that is because you need a out-of-competition testing program. That's when the athletes dope up, not when they're going into a competition because they know they're likely to be tested when they're going to be in an event or, or one of the winners or podium finishes, and there is random testing as well at events. It's the out-of-competition time which is crucial. The whereabouts system has actually been in place for many years, probably 10 years or more in some sports, including athletics and, and cycling. But it was changed in 2007 uh, to apply to only the elite athletes in each sport so that they would only be the ones that would have to give this information and only indicate the one hour a day where they would want to say where they would be to make, make themselves available for testing. And so each sport is required to say who is in this elite group. You might have 10, you might have 20. Uh, in team sports, you might have four teams. You might have eight teams. And 
in teams, we have a rule that says the team manager can give the whereabouts of all the players in the team at once. In other words, mm. you know, they'll be training at, yep. at Park Avenue at a certain time, therefore that's where they'll be. Uh, so we're trying to be realistic. It's, in terms of an individual person, I think if you ask those who are in the elite pools already for cycling and athletics, they say there's no problem. Mm. They've been doing it for 10 years and, and they get used to it just like you get used to changing your air ticket when you get dumped out of a tournament or you have to change your plans. So it becomes a way of life rather than becomes a, a sort of an impediment. And so we're pretty, we're pretty relaxed about it. What we will do is review it at the end of this year, give it 12 months of practice, see if there are any hitches or glitches that we need to iron out, and, and we'll get on with that. Well, what's the sort of, um, you know, it's, I remember the Tim Don case in triathlon, which um, sparked a lot of uh, criticism here in New Zealand, um, because is it, is it sort of a three strikes and you, and you get a ban um, in terms of if you're not, not where you're supposed to be? Yeah, there has to be three occasions, and you have to be uh, given an opportunity on each occasion to give a reason, and if the reason is a good one, it doesn't count as a strike. Uh, so, that, you know, again, common sense has to prevail, and if you say, well, I had an urgent thing to deal with, uh, and it's a, obviously a, a pretty good reason, then that won't count. Mm-hmm. Uh, and before the third one comes along, you would have been told, look, you're sitting on two, and yeah. the third one in, in a space of 18 months is, is going to put you over the level. It's a bit like getting demerit points on your driving licence. Yeah. And I, I would hope that in that situation that the athletes, uh, they wouldn't get to two, let alone get get on to two and close to three, that, that you learn from your first and, and you get on and make sure your programs run properly. Um, David, like, with regards to people you think are cheating, how many, what kind of percentage of athletes that cheat do you think you guys actually catch? Well, that's a really hard question. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, therefore, it's a great question. I, I think, look, the, the, the numbers that we have in terms of numbers who are found, either by uh, sample collection and analysis or by other means, because we're gathering evidence through enforcement agencies and so forth nowadays, it's probably around 2% of elite athletes. Yeah. So that's quite high, uh, probably higher than people would want it probably means that, therefore, the numbers who are cheating and getting away with it is even higher. Yeah. Uh, and you only need to look at individuals like Marion Jones, who for many years said she never took performance-enhancing drugs, and then all of a sudden when she was confronted with a perjury charge, said, oh, I'm sorry, I've made a bit of a mistake here. I've cheated for seven years. Yeah. But she had been tested about 150 times, and, and none of those tests had turned, turned out positive. So you've got to you just got to be aware that there are some out there who can afford very expensive chemists to help them cheat, uh, and you've got to get your own chemists who do the research for us to che- to think like cheaters, uh, and and you narrow the gap. Do, do you become a bit cynical of sport? You know, because like, you, I mean, you've got more insight than most of us would ever have, and you know, does it make you a little bit disappointed in sport? Like, does it take away a bit of the gloss from sport for you, or do you learn that it's just a part of life and you focus on the positive? Well, I guess I've been a cynic for a little while. and I think you have to have a cynical view to be able to survive in this job. Yeah. Um, probably some of the cynicism I got was when I had to be the uh, the fair play commissioner for rugby in, in the early 90s and, and look out for foul play on the field. And you, you would have thought in those days you'd be watching rugby for enjoyment. All of a sudden I had to turn cynical and look at for cheating. Yeah. And it does give you a different eye on it. What you have to do every now and then is, is whack yourself across the head and say, hey, it's not all about cynicism. You've got to actually look for the, the good in the sport, the values in sport, and, and ensure that from time to time you're able to enjoy that. Mm-hmm. One, one of the things that, that I sometimes um, 
find, what I find interesting is, you know, especially in some of the cycling cases and, and the likes of Marion Jones and things like Floyd Landis and, and Hamilton and so on, I think they're guilty of sin when I sort of hear the, the test results and, and, and read a bit of the stories. And then I start hearing interviews with them where they're just feverently just absolutely denying yeah, yeah, yeah. they have come up with all these mm. fantastic arguments why they're, why they're innocent I mean and it, it does start to create a lot of doubt in the, the general they're population they're trying to make you guys look incompetent don't they I mean do you, do you think there is a, a big problem out there with false positives um, which, which they would sort of lead us to believe no I think there's a big problem with false negatives <laughs> and I think you might find there are quite a few tests out there that the lab directors are a little bit uh, reluctant to show as positive because they don't want to go through a palaver like the Landis case. Yeah. And I think that's more of a problem for us than anything else. Oh, really? And I think what, hap- what happens in a, in a case like Landis, who did have the public ear for two years before the end of his uh, judicial sort of escapade, he got away with a whole lot of nonsense. And uh, the decision that was delivered by the Court of Arbitration for Sport is one that everyone should read in detail because of what it said is the lawyers created arguments which were not based on any facts at all. Oh, really? So it was a whole lot of whole lot of real Disneyland-type argument, which uh, I know if I'd created it in a court of law in New Zealand, I'd probably be struck off. <laughs> so, you know, you, you've, got to, you've got to look at these things a little bit and say it's a pity we don't, we don't get both sides of the story yeah. right until the end. And, and, of course, at the end it's too late because people's views are formed, uh, but that's just the way it is. And the media doesn't really pick up on that, eh? You didn't really hear much about that in the media afterwards, did you? No. Well, it's not so much news, is it? Well, the news is the poor old Floyd. You know, he's been caught and the French lab's terrible and all that sort of stuff. Well, yeah. at the end of the day, the French lab was perfect and he was a raging cheat. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Tell it to him. <laughs> are you, are you um, comfortable with the, the sort of current status, which is typically, a, you know, for, for most offences, seems to be a, a two-year ban and the second offence is often for life, and I know that varies a little bit uh, um, from country to country, but are you comfortable with that or would you prefer to see a slightly different system in place? Well, it doesn't vary from country to country. That, that was one of the things we, we were um, asked to make sure didn't occur from now on. What, okay. what has happened, though, in the last, uh, and it's just come into effect this year, is that now there is more discretion, uh, more flexibility. The, uh, the tough penalty, if you like, for a first offence is as much as four years if you are shown to be an aggravated cheater. Uh, and it goes down to a warning, uh, if, or, or even uh, less, than if you are somebody who's been an inadvertent you know, taker of something you shouldn't have taken. So I think uh, we've sort of grown up a little bit in the last few years. We've taken account of what people have said, and, and you find that, therefore, there is a bigger spread of available sanction rather than a sort of a two-year or nothing uh, hit or miss that, that people thought it was when we started. Uh, we've always had flexibility. But now we've got greater flexibility and there's a whole series of substances that if you are involved in uh, probably leads you to a, a pretty minor penalty a slap on the wrist even rather than uh, rather than a, a ban. What do you think sport needs to do as a, as a culture I suppose to really make doping less appealing to athletes you know because it's it's you know at the moment in some sports you know you look at American sports you, you get in the NBA you're going to be a rich man and you're going to be set up for life in some ways and obviously that's appealing to a young athlete. What do you think you, from your opinion, sport needs to do to really change the thinking where that's just not looked upon as the right thing to do? Well, I, I don't think it's just a sport issue. I think it's a society, it really it comes back to a societal issue and, and we get we get people who are taking shortcuts or cheating in, in most parts of our, our society nowadays and, 
you only need to look at some of the bankers in the US or, or even some of the journalists who have been guilty of plagiarism. Yeah. Certainly many lawyers like myself who, well, I shouldn't say like myself, <laughs> who, who have uh, defrauded their clients and, and so on. So you get it in every section. What, what we have to try to do, I think, is ensure that the amount of cheating that you give in sport is reduced as much as you possibly can. Yeah. And that probably includes on-the-field behaviour as well as off-the-field behaviour because uh, you can't just isolate doping uh, in sport. You've got to look at it ways that means that players get away with things on the field as well and, and say, well, what are, what are the sports people doing to stop that? Can we run a line which is consistent with that in terms of doping? Uh, the answer is yes, we can. Uh, you have to try to get out there with more values-based programs for the kids because sport's not all about... Uh, winning. There's a lot of people out there who are never going to win all their lives, but they want to still play sport and they want to play it fair and clean and, and yeah. enjoy it. So our job is to partake in that and uh, work with the sports people and, and see on the global stage that we can uh, we can move it around a wee bit. And I think right at the moment, in fact, as we speak now, uh, the IOC president is in New Zealand. Yep. Uh, yeah, I know yeah. that he uh, he's firmly behind what we do. I, I saw him last week in Denver, and, and uh, there's no question that he still regards the anti-doping programs as one of the important things in the Olympic Games. So uh, I think we've got pretty good support out there, and we just hope that we can uh, continue to, to do the job as best we possibly can. It seemed like... Um in Beijing, it seemed like there was less doping cases. I mean, statistically, was it less than uh, Athens or about the same or more or less? Well, in terms of numbers of those who were found cheating at the games, quite a long way down. Uh, so far, nine. I mean, we're still counting because there are some retests to be done as a result of substances that we were able to detect now that we weren't then. Uh, Athens was up around 24, 25. But what I think you've got to remember is there were probably 70 or 80 athletes who didn't go to Beijing because they were picked up prior to the games in a sort of a, a big pre-games testing program that most countries involved themselves in, including New Zealand, uh, to ensure that they didn't send athletes up there likely to, to cheat at the games. Oh, yes. And so you can say the numbers at the games themselves were down, uh, partly because of that, but partly because uh, of this massive pre-games program. Um. I mean, a big part of our audience is, is sort of the amateur um, side of racing and, and Ironman and, and triathlon. If people are wanting to find out you know, more information, whether they can play their small part, is, is the WADA site a good place to go or is, is there other places you can recommend where people can find out more information? Well, the WADA site gives a lot of information. We're just updating it. I think these sort of things you've got to update on a pretty regular basis to make sure they're user-friendly. Uh, we're, we're updating ours this year and, and trying to be more available to the public. I think uh, on a national scene, Drug Free Sport New Zealand has a very good website. Yeah. Uh, I know Graham Steele and his team run a pretty good uh, education program and are able to give out material. Uh, and then you look at those sites and, and you can link into others from those to make sure you get uh, the best information possible. I mean, we've, we've been part of a, a publication this year. In fact, I've got the little book in front of me called Martindale, which is a, a, a book which... And they're pretty famous in the in the uh, the drug world, the the um, pharmaceutical world of, of publishing things. And they put out a, a booklet which shows all the 
the substances that are now available in the world and those which are likely to lead to a, uh, an oh, anti-doping violation. That's great, so, though, because I remember I did, I did a race a couple of years ago and it was my first time racing as a pro and I was I wanted to use, I don't know, something and I, was, I wasn't really sure if it was banned or not and I decided not to, but it was really hard to find that information. Like, I was searching the net and I just couldn't really, yeah, it was really, it was a real hassle, to be honest. Oh. Oh, well, it is, and, and, and we appreciate that. And I think I think this venture, which really was a partnership with us, is, is a good one. And uh, it, it just has to be updated on a pretty regular basis because of the fact that pharmaceuticals produce new, you know, new substances on a regular basis. How much money is there in well, there? We, oh, sorry. What we've got now is a pretty good partnership now with the industry, so that when something is in the in progress of being made, we can work with them to see uh, if it's likely to be used for cheating and. Uh, find out ways of detecting it if it is. How far behind are, are you on the drugs that are being used? You know, like, you know, if a new drug comes out, how far behind it do you normally find it? Well, we like to be right up to date. And the Tour de France uh, last year is probably a good indicator because there's a new, there was a new generation of EPO. Uh, it came on the market two weeks prior to the Tour. Four or five cyclists used it on the Tour. They were all found. Oh, great. Yeah. Great. Uh, that's awesome. We think you're doing a great job, eh? You're really doing it. It's good for sport, you know, you guys are doing what you're doing. It's a hot topic and it's nice to get um, a nice, balanced, informed opinion on it all. So we, we thank you very much for your time and uh, it's great to see a Kiwi in a, in a top dog position. So uh, good luck with the, the next few years and uh, the lead up to London. And also, you're a bit of a legendary athlete yourself, mate. Davis Cup and he played Junior Davis Cup. Okay. <laughs> hey, you're pretty sharp, sure. I was going to do the John's rant of the oh, week. John's rant of the week. I'm angry. I'm angry, Bevan. I'm getting into character this week. <laughs> I said we need to find angry music. Yeah. And, oh man, I've never seen you so angry. It's a double whammy. It's rant a of double the week. whammy. We had double whammy age group of the week last week, and we yeah next week we will too. This week, next week it's double yeah. double whammy as well. But John's rant of the week. Okay, John. Now last time you came to rant, first time it was good. Then when I didn't have my helmet on, that was probably your best one so far. <laughs> And then last time you you, you dropped the ball a little bit. Okay. You weren't that angry, John. Take Tell me about it. So Sunday morning, the race. No. No. Uh, city to surf. It's a twelve kilometer. City to surf. It's a twelve kilometer race in Christchurch. Did you win There's it? Fifteen thousand people uh, racing in it. And the Philinator and I went down there, taking the boys down. Phil's got a son. Oh, you did the buggy Thomas. run. Did the buggy run. Nice. Thinking that I'm. Um, I'm probably not going to win the race. There's some good runners that do it these days. What, what time do they do it in? Uh, the guy who wins, who won Matt Ingram, he runs about a, a low 29 for a 10k. Oh, okay. So um, he's, he's pretty fast. So I was never going to win it. So thinking, right, I'm going to do the good thing here. I'm going to self-seed so I don't get in the way of people that might yeah, be fast. Yeah, you because know, you've got a buggy. You're, you take up more space than the average Joe. Yeah, got there, start line. Right, we'll position ourselves about 25 metres back from the start line. That should give a good number of people nice. in front of yep. us. And uh, not many people around, starts crowding up. Okay, the gun goes off. We actually get across the line. We're almost almost jogging by the time we get to the line, which I thought was pretty good. For the next 12 kilometres, bearing in mind there's 15,000 people in this race, no no exaggeration, (coughs) I would have passed 5,000 people. (laughs) I I did enjoy it, but first while I was fuming because there's walkers there. Uh, we passed people probably about 9k in who were pushing who were running with buggies probably running like 
seven, eight minute Ks. And I'm like, how the hell did you get in front of us? So how far back were you from the start line? About 25 metres. So in, in, in eight Ks, you didn't make up that much time on No, them. the problem was, and this is my point, is A, I appreciate it's a fun run, but people need to learn how to self-seed. John, and B, John, John. No, no, John. no, don't stop me now. I'm, I'm on a roll, Bevan. Is you can't bloody start in front of the start line. John, Because that's what John, everybody did. John, John, John. It's not an Ironman. <laughs> it's a city to serve. The people cheated. <laughs> the distance, they did not run from the start line to the finish line. So I was uh, John, was your life's agitated. changing, isn't it? Wow. Because you, you, you know what? It's, it's not a tri-club event. You know, and it's not the uh, it's it's the city to serve. It's the start line. It's a you fun start, a fun and then you finish. Run. You don't go. I'm going to start 200 meters up the road just because I feel like because I'm. Well, I once did a, a race with you, John, and you you took off before the finish start line, before the gun went off. That's anticipation. <laughs> so, in the in the what is the South Island half? John was swimming, and I was like, wait a second, where's he gone? <laughs> You always so go what's on, the difference here, John? You always go on two. <laughs> <laughs> always go on two. But not in the city to serve. <laughs> I still did the full distance. Okay. So that, okay. that was point one. Okay. And point two isn't quite so bad. But on tryjuice.com, this is not a criticism of tryjuice.com. No, it was actually on yahoo.com as well. Um, there's just this bloody media scam. Oh, media! They, um, when they go out there, there's an article floating around uh, doing traps at the moment saying, triathlon, massive risk of heart. Death, actually. Death, 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 you're going to die if you do a triathlon. Although if you read the article, what it does say is that it, there's more deaths in triathlon than what there is in marathon. Yeah, and that's fine, but let's just have a bit of a balancing rather than scaremongering saying anybody who does a triathlon is going to die. So those are my two rants of the week. Yeah, Double whammy. John. City to surf next year, <laughs> Phil and I, both double buggies on the front oh, line. Oh, he's having a kid as well. Yeah. You guys, are plan- you guys are planning this together. Let's yeah. give another kid now. Yeah. So front. Where's where she doing? Where's she got? She's a little bit behind. Uh, so you're faster. Phil, Phil, <laughs> Phil, had to, Phil had to train for Kona. I, I finished it rote. He was at Kona. And it's pretty much bang on. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, good times. Yeah. Okay, well, see, that's how you're, you're no longer... It's and. <laughs> what really infuriated me is some, some... We weren't fast first buggies across the line. Oh, um, really? Somebody beat us. Well, you know what, John? When I was younger, I did the city surf, and mm. I was a pretty good runner when I was younger, and I won the kids section. I was the first person to... Really? Yeah, I really was. I wasn't was a bad runner. Broke my heart. You know why? Why? Because I was the first kid across the line, but some little girl who was like about eight, or maybe even younger than that, had ran, been on her dad's shoulders, yeah. and he beat me, and her picture got in the paper, not mine. They took pictures of us through oh, the paper. Oh, um, so I was angry. There was one other point that I was going to make. Yeah, we're running along. I'm trying to figure out what pace we're, we're running at. Yeah. And, uh, and so we got this. Did you have of, your GPS? I did it, but I said that to film next year. Well, next year we're on GPS. <laughs> uh, we're running along. We get to the six minute, 6K mark. And I said, well, what, what sort of pace do you think we're running? And um, he thought we were running like 4.40. And I said, mate, we're running very close to four minute K pace. So it was a little bit of puffing. Oh, really? And uh, so I measured six to, to, to the 5K mark. I said, Phil, what do you, re- what do you reckon we went? And he said, what he, what he guessed, 4, 4.30 or something. I said, oh, I reckon 4.10 or something. Looked at my watch, 3.02. So they didn't have the K-Mart. Oh, I was going to say, 3.02. You guys we, we were running about, what do you find running with the buggy like? It's not too bad. Really? Yeah. But I wouldn't, uh, to do a marathon or something would be quite a challenge. Yeah, because you get uh, sore arms? No, 12K. You just do the single arm, but double arm, swap arms. Do you have respect for Dick Hoyt? Yeah, 35 minutes is moving it for uh, for a 10K. Yeah. We were running four-minute K pace. You did... You did 35 minutes? No, he did. He did. He's done a 35-minute 10K with pushing uh, Rick. 
But he's done a, what, he's done a 242 marathon? Yeah, yeah, yeah At yeah. 60 or something? Yeah, so no, that's moving. Cool. Um, I mean, we could, I could have gone quicker, but... I was passing. Well, I next a year, you're gonna, that's your goal next year. Next year, you're going to beat Rick and Dick Hoy. Front row. Yeah, yeah, because Thomas is probably a little bit lighter too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm thinking next year, although you have the double next year, won't you? We'll have the double. Are you going to get a double buggy? You've got it. You've already got it. Yeah. Oh, times are changing. Mm. Okay, here we go. Questions, Questions and answers. answers. This is from Rob Wilby, and he's saying uh, we chatted a little bit about WTC over the last time, and and he's given we've been we've been giving WTC a bit of a hard time. And he didn't actually put this on the post of the week, but we thought we'd read it, read it out anyway. Do you want to read it? It's uh, he's he's um, been working with Ironman UK and went to the official press conference last week in Bolton. They wanted some athletes to take some photos, basically, didn't they? They're in they're in the, the it's his hometown local hood. Uh, as himself and a good friend Martin Holden were invited to the press. Conference as local athletes to give yep. the press someone to talk about who's actually doing the race. The organiser Alison Boone and the team could not have been more friendly and generous towards us. They are clearly keen to build a relationship with local athletes and local community. We were given official Ironman UK shorts, given all the kit, looked after really well, um, and they just said that the Ironman UK organisers take a lot of flack in this country uh, and on on forums etc. But having met them, he said they were fa- fantastic and nice, and uh, yeah, and so he's saying it's looking forward to being a killer event. Yeah, for those who are doing Ironman UK, he's saying the course is going to be killer. A two mm. mile long climb each lap. It's got some nice flat, fast sections though, yeah. uh, and beautiful, showing off all the best of the British countryside or what's left of it. John, we're in trouble. What? Because we haven't done names this week. We haven't. I don't, think, I don't think we made a promise last no, we week. did. Oh, you did, so it's your problem. No, well, next week, let's make a promise now. Okay. Because people are good enough to give. Yeah, yeah. We need to live up to the promise. We probably we, we could have done it if we were around at my place. Yeah, we probably could have, actually. Because mm. right, we were having computer problems, so we are going to do it at John's house, but then my computer came right in the morning, which I'm happy with because it's been a very stressful week for me, I tell you. Um, so next week, nicknames, we guarantee you're going to get your nickname next week. Uh, sponsors. Athlinks.com. You keep talking, John. I'm going to pull them up. Come on, I'm going chop, to. Chop. How, how quick's your internet? Well, it's going faster because I'm going to Telstra tomorrow. It's going to be super fast because he's seen the light. Because I went around to John's last week because I had that road show at John's house and he had Telstra and it's way faster than Vodafone. Yeah. yeah. Like normally, so like I upload the show to the place that distributes it for us and that normally takes about, on my computer, about 40, 50 minutes. It was done like in 10 minutes. Broke my heart. Yeah. So... So one thing that uh, we'd like to encourage people to do on Athlinks, um, obviously, if you're not signed up, there's going to be some. There's going to be some issues here. We 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 like everybody who's listening to the podcast. Your little bit of contributing to the podcast is to make sure you sign up to Athlinks and you have uh, collected some of your results or, or or done some part to play a part in this community. The other thing we want you to do is when you're on there is basically join up to the um, all your different products that you use. So yep. whether you run in Mizuno's. Um, whether you swim in a blue 70 wetsuit, yep. um, whether you use hi-fi products. <laughs> uh, Any other sponsors, John? Whether you wear Art of Try gear. What, what's your helmet? Um, UX or? UVX. <laughs> use UVX helmets and glasses. If you use all that gear, sign up to them. And if not, don't. If you don't. But uh, it just it's a way for the for them to keep in touch with you. You can be kept in touch with any local news. Just one other thing. Um, they used to have the articles on the front page, and they've actually changed it now on the front page. Uh, it's more just about the groups and stuff. So if you did like looking at their articles, you just go along to the content section and click on articles, and they have all the content section there. And again, follow Andrew on Twitter because he's great with coming up with articles. The general stuff. population is starting to talk about Twitter a bit more now. John, I've got an email that I spent, sent to Joe nearly two years ago talking about Twitter. Yeah. That's how I've heard of the times I am. Anyway, athletes.com. Okay, next up. Trybuys.com. 
had an email this week from um, oh, a we guy. Oh, we should have put it on the show notes. Well, I was going to. He had a question on it as well. Um, he said he was loving tri-buys. He said he spent about 1500 bucks there, got his free shipping, got his 20% off, and off lots of sale items as well. I think he what happened, loving. John, he was in the age group of the week. Yes. Yes. Yes, there we go. Nice. Yes. I, I did include yes, it. Yes, you did. But we're not going to do that age group, so we'll do the age group next week. But we'll talk. Yeah. Robbie Elder. And he's saying, also, try boys, how good are they? Yeah. I just fired off an order for 1500 US for wheels, Garmin, shoes, nutrition, and much, much more. I saved myself 20% and it's called free shipping. Awesome. That's my third big order in the last year. Triathlete Heaven. It is. So, triathlete Heaven, that's, that should be their logo. Try that. I think that code might, 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 might still triathlete work. Triathlete Heaven. It is. One, Cameron, maybe you can use one that. More, one more, or maybe for one more day. I think it was going to finish on the 31st. Well, they won't get it till. Oh, yeah, I suppose because they're behind us, aren't they? Yeah, so you've maybe got on one more day to use that code. Uh, just go back to the previous shows and you can get, you've can get. you got to listen again to the end of the show to get the code. Get on to tribos.com. Specials are plenty. It's the <laughs> I like the way that we can't find the code. I think it's I am talk two thousand nine. It is, I'm pretty sure yeah. that's it. Tribos.com. Just Triathlon Heaven. It is. See what it is. Triathlon Heaven. Okay then. Why don't we go to Coffees of Hawaii? We're just trying to find the culture, environment, music. Here we go, John. So this is what you're gonna do. You're gonna order your coffees of Hawaii. Yeah, and because and maybe even buy the roasted beans because I like the roasted beans, don't I? You do like the roasted beans. And what you're going to do, John, is you're going to buy some music. Oh, I didn't pull the music up. Where is it? Music, music. And so then what you're going to do is you're going to get home because mm-hmm. you know, like it's coming up winter in some parts of the world. Yeah, and winter sucks. And you want to you want to take yourself somewhere else, don't you, John? You do. So what you do is you get your little popcorn maker. Yeah, and you put enough. your beans in there. Some what do you call those beans? Non-roasted, unroasted, unroasted beans. beans. And you get some music from who is it? Good old James Kalipipo Maui. Get your music, sit down, get maybe a bit of a UV light going above you, uh, so you get a bit of sun coming down. You can buy it online, you can have a little listen to it. Listen and, to the uh, music, John. Listen Here we to go. the music. Oh, yeah. Imagine just the rich aromas in the background. Oh, yeah. Oh, you can taste it. Oh, you can taste oh it. yes. Does it get any better? You're blending the coffee. Your lovely lady or your lovely man walks out. Yeah. Honey, what are you doing? And they go, oh, yes, it's business time. So, <laughs> does, he, does he sing? Just whatever he sings. It's just chill out music, Bevan. I oh. like it. Yeah, it is. It's got uh, cool music. It is. Malahal. So get on to Coffees of Hawaii. Get your coffee while you're there. Get your now, I'm just saying, if, if it's been a while in between innings, if you know what I'm talking about here. Yeah. This is the formula that guaranteed success. Coffee, music, and a UV light. And it's again <laughs> UV light. Yeah. And make sure you got like white undies on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. So our sponsors are. I oh, make sure mate, you don't really don't get to get the CD. It sounded really nice. Uh, Hawaii music is nice, eh? It is. Just Chill that basic, out. and because Porno's got a ukulele now, All right? And he's a pretty good musician, Porno, mm-hmm. and he pulls out the ukulele, and I tell you what, it's pretty sharp. Pretty sharp. Okay. Okay, coffeesofaway.com. Uh, for what's best coffee and music. Athlinks.com. Triathlete Heaven. And Just get on Twitter and follow Andrew. Okay. You got it the wrong way around, but that's okay. Did I? Yep. Yeah, I, I confused you. You keep talking, I'm going to show you something. Bevan's, e- Bevan's easily confused. You, 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 you know what we're talking about. Okay, concentrate. Here comes the photo he's going to show. Okay, so, I don't know. First of all, anything else we need to tell them about? Jerseys are done? Jerseys are, well, they're done as Unless of... Unless you get an email today. Tuesday, they're ordered... 
Wednesday the 1st of April, New, New Zealand, Zealand time, time in the morning. So if you miss out, you Okay, so if you want to get them done, and honestly, we've got lots of orders coming through, so um, get on it now. Uh, anything else? Don't think so. Let's try it on. That's better. Yep. So, John, my daughter came home from school, and her, and her stepdad's got a, an iPhone as well. Have you got an iPhone? No. It's time you got one. Right. Really, because I'm going to show you why. And she told me about this app you can buy, and it's called Old Booth. One thing that's cool about the iPhone is you can buy apps like you would for a computer. And what it does is it takes photos of people, and you can turn them into other people. So if you look at my partner Joe there, yeah. that's Joe. Right. That is pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. That is pretty good. And then that's my Joe as well. Now, yeah. that's that's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Now, you keep talking for a second while I pull up another one. I'm going to pull up another photo here. Okay. So going to be of his girlfriend or his... Uh, well, that's my Joe looking like a man. Oh, right. <laughs> that's slightly concerning. Yeah. Now, don't worry, Joe, if you listen to this. She doesn't listen to it, luckily. Look at that hot chick. <laughs> is that, so that's you? Yeah. Oh, no. So you what it does is it makes a photo of you... And you can put your. I'm going to put it on the website this week. Okay. Me looking like a chick, and you have to admit I've got a hot body, haven't you? Boobies and a Santa Claus hat. Yeah, I'm looking hot. Okay. I'm. You can't get too nice yourself, really, can you? That'd be wrong. <laughs> so, That's my photo first. Do you want? To, I'll do one of you like this. Okay. What's the application called? It's called Old Booth. Old Booth. And it costs a dollar. Dollar US. Yeah. No, a dollar New Zealand. Dollar New Zealand. Yeah. So it's a no-brainer. Crikey, man. So we been up to John. Dumb I'm going to do a photo of you, and there'll be a, okay. so check out the website of John. Okay. I've, I've run my race and now you're, we're just waiting. I'm waiting for the drop. Oh, the drop. Yeah. What are you doing in the drop zone? Well, you've you got to wait, be patient, not get into the hospital too soon. Really? So wait, let, let's say she rings you now and she goes, look, honey, it's happening. What do you do? We go around, just chill out at home, probably won't, wouldn't get into hospital until tonight. Is it one of those times where you go, God, I'm glad I'm a guy? I, I just think, I, I can't imagine how people have twins and triplets and stuff. That's oh, what I man. can't imagine. Well, they surely after one, it just slides out. out. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. There's not a lot of sliding in the action. Um, okay, and, and, and so it's all, about, it's all about you being the servant, really, isn't it? It is. Yeah. yeah. Just do as I'm told. Yeah. And that's about it. There's not a lot else. What's the due date? The, I think, about the 14th. But we've oh, got, okay. It's still... still couple of weeks away but, okay, but any time could now. be now second one usually comes a little early so training's not happening at the moment is it oh, i do just a little tick ticks over here and another thing for any christchurch people i'm running some a couple of duathlons over winter oh Ruapu, Ruapuna raceway on, oh, on, really? a, on a race i'll do that three and a half three and a three point three kilometer loops so you probably bike about five or six loops and we'll have like a run and it'll be good times so how'd you manage that i just rang them up and booked it does it cost you much to book it 500 bucks or so oh, that's right yeah so yeah. Be good times anybody in christchurch June 27th and August 30th. Okay, I'll do it too. Cool. I'll keep you to that. Yeah, I will, I will, I will. And we've had our first uh, invitation to a speaking gig. Bevan and I, uh, I've, I've just sprung this on you, I've mentioned it before. Yeah, no, I'm The, Can- the Canterbury Triathlon Club, we're going to be doing a, a sports cafe style interview with Gina Ferguson yep. and uh, maybe one or two others. Yeah, we're going to be leading the charge, aren't we? That's right. Oh, it's good times. Anything else, Emma Goss? That's it. What about you? My goss is, I went to the theatre again, John. Mm. I'm such a thespian. Mm. Yes. Mm. And any other goss from me? <laughs> is that word of the week, is it? Yeah, well, no, because it doesn't actually mean you like theatre. Because I thought thespian meant you like theatre, so I, I did my research and it yeah. just means you actually work in theatre. Right. So I'm going to get a job in the theatre. Right. I'm going to. a thespian. Yeah, because I want to be a thespian. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Other than that, no, not much. Else. I'm off to Napier this weekend. Napier? You've been to Napier? Sunny Napier. Yeah, we went on our honeymoon up around there. Oh, did you? That's mm. oh, with Thomas. <laughs> That's, yeah, yeah. Nice. <laughs> you went a week late. The cricket was on up there. You could have sat up there five days watching the cricket. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Do yeah. you like cricket? 
Yeah, it's all right. I do like cricket, but I don't sit and watch it all day. No. No. Got time. Anyway. Yeah. Next week, uh, we've got Emily Miesker on the show. Oh, so have you got any questions for him? Yep. Check him out. way. Nutrition questions, check him out. way. Anything else? No, that's it. I get Iron rust. I'm in no. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. Check out John's photo on the website. <laughs> <laughs>